Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jens Heitland Show. This is a special episode where I bring the audio experience from my innovation culture coding live shows back into the Jens Heitland Show. Please enjoy the innovation culture coding audio experience. Hello, and welcome to Innovation Culture Coding Live. Welcome to another session where we look into deconstructing a fiction case and looking into how my guest will solve that case. And it's all about making independent coaches and consultants who are working with innovation visible and through authenticity, through their stories, through how they are solving these cases. I hope that you, if you're the dream client, if you are interested in working with them, that you find them inside the show environment. And of course, in the best case, you will hire them and you work with them going forward. Help them and help yourself to solve the cases. So my name is Jens Heidland. I'm your host. And if you're interested to learn more about that show, let me just quickly bring up this banner. Go to heitlandinnovation.com slash innovation culture coding. You will find all details about the guest, the video recording, different clips, the audio version later on, and a lot of other things around the other coaches and consultants who are on the show. But today is not about other, it's all about my guest. And my guest today is Pim. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's getting <laughs> a little bit dark here, but I, I think I've set up the light in just the right way. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> so be, before we go into the case and into deconstructing us, Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what are you doing? Who am I? It's always a, a hard question as I don't necessarily like boxes. Um, but I can, I'm stacking boxes on top of each other. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm schooled and trained as an, uh, an architect uh, here in the Netherlands. And um, after my architecture, I got fascinated with the experience economy. Um, and I thought that buildings were still sort of on the parts of a, a product. Um, and I thought, well, if I want to learn more about the experience economy, I need to go into a stage that is higher. So in, in experiences or even transformative experiences. And therefore, I co-founded a company called Sherlocked Mystery Experiences um, that is mostly known for their escape rooms. Uh, however, we've also done a lot of marketing activations uh, or trying to uh, create a story for a very complex future uh, through gamification and play. Yeah. Um, and after that, I, I went to San Francisco, uh, did almost a year and a half research into curiosity, how to experientially create that experience of being curious uh, together with one of your other guests, Anthony Rocco. Yes. Um, and we're now a threesome or a threpple or, you know, we have a, a third partner there as well, Monica. Um, and with the three of us, we, we host masterclasses into... Uh, training your curious muscle so that's a, a little bit about me in a nutshell <laughs> in a in a nutshell yeah um i could tell a lot more but uh i don't think that's why i'm here today 
We will get to that, um, hopefully, in, in, inside the case. So for everyone who is watching this live, please shoot us a comment inside the chat from where you are watching and where, where you are in general, which country, which city. We are always eager to, to know. I see there are already a couple of people watching, so it's always good to see where you are. And if you have questions to Pim or to myself, please shoot them as well into the comments. Then we bring them up throughout and try to answer them as much as we can. But let's get into the case. So you and I have selected a company to work on today. And the company is called Disney. I'm not sure if the listeners or people watching this are know that company, but I hope at least uh, like two or three know that company. So it's Disney. Disney has a challenge. And the challenge is that what we have all seen and experienced the last two years, almost two years, is that there will be more events like the pandemic we have right now, which are forcing companies to change, which are not just the company itself as well. Everything around the company can be changed literally with, within a couple of months if you take the pandemic as an example. So there will be most probably more examples like this, and climate change is one of the big drivers of that and other topics as well. So Disney has seen that and is seeing that, and they want to look ahead. Disney want to be resilient. I'm managing to speak that word. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so they want to be resilient for the future and really looking into how can they build a resilient muscle in being future fit and being ready um, for everything that's coming ahead and, and looking into how can we build that muscle inside the organization and then using it as well for all their products and so on. So they, they're hiring PIM and helping supporting them to figure that out. So that's the case we will be exploring. So it's all about Disney and it's all about how you build this resilient muscle. So Pim, how are you solving that? How do you work with them? How do you work with Disney? <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, uh, first off, I would be honored and a little scared to solve this case. And I think that's, Maybe how I would start with saying that this is, you know, Disney is really well in, in, in telling stories. And I think the, the collaboration in, in such a case is also a story or even a journey that you uh, embark together uh, where both of us actually don't know where we're going to end up. And I think this is a big part of both the question of the case, but also in the collaboration um, where we're, we're embarking on that journey or a process that we don't really know where the end is. So it also means that um, it's hard for me to exactly explain what the steps are going to be like. Um, and often the question is, well, what's the goal and what's What's the exact process? And we can, you know, get our toolbox and show all the tools that we have. Uh, but I think that um, sort of the acknowledgement of embracing that unknown together and mm -hmm. having a lot of trust in that uh, is going to be immensely important. And I think the, the first question that I would ask or sort of acknowledge is what is kind of the experience that we want to have together uh, as a group solving this case? How do we show up? I love that because it's, it's so different than a lot of other consultants and coaches. Do you call yourself consultant or a coach or something that you don't want to be in? And <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's, it's hard. I mean, the, the, the clients that I've had uh, tried to define it, but it's sort of, they said, well, there, there is a combination of like a, a personal coach and a business consultant, yeah. but also a creative that actually knows uh, a lot around like brand and creativity and design processes. So yeah. there's like these three uh, pillars that I can lean into or lean out of. Um, and I think that they specifically sort of the the personal side 
and the business side, I think they go hand in hand because hmm. often the things that we are experiencing at work is also coming from uh, us as individuals. Absolutely. More and more when you are uh, one of the co-founders or, or on, a, on a higher level. Yeah. What, what I like about that, because if you, and I always joke about that, maybe not too much on this show, but today I will. If you take the big consultants, like the big companies, everyone knows the, with a couple of letters only, most of them. They would never talk about, so what is the experience we would like to have with each other? So for them, it's always, okay, this is the goal and this is what's, what's costing. It's, it's less about, or they talk directly process rather than, hey, let's, let's think about what an experience is. So how would you do that? Let's say you're, you're meeting them first time and, and you're getting into that. Would you do that in a workshop style? How would you start even talking about the experience? Um, well, the, it, it depends on, uh, the client and the relationship, I would mm -hmm. say, uh, in this case, <laughs> we say it's Disney, um, yeah, I think that, um, what I, what I would really love is actually for us to get together, um, but not on the company site. So I think that I would send a handwritten letter to those that are invited um, and invite them on whatever journey that we're going on to, uh, which is at a secret location. Um, and on this location, I think they would find an outfit. Um, and the outfit is then selected for uh, them specifically. So they, they change sort of character. Um, And, and while changing character, they enter the space that we're going to be in uh, where we sort of set out this set of questions of, well, if this is going to be the start of our experience, how do we, how do we want it to continue? What are, what are the moments that we are going to create? Is it going to be in person? Is it going to be at the office or are we going to set up like smaller sprints? how much um, personal development do we want to do? Um, so I think, I think the, the, the way that we set the first contact is also setting, it's, it's almost like if we go into the storytelling that Disney does, it's setting the stage for where we're going to. Because the moment that we start talking about it uh, is the moment that we actually have to convince more than experience yeah. right so you're you're setting up this podcast show with like beautiful lighting and um we talked about well maybe it's disney so i thought okay maybe i need to, to get a cape on <laughs> um so there's 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 sort of like what are where do we invite someone into what are we wearing what is the language that we use um, what are they wearing? So I think it, an important part is how do we get you out of the context that you're in? Because the context itself uh, has such an environment and such behaviors um, that it's sometimes harder to go beyond that in a way. And I know specifically for uh, companies like Disney or Pixar, they have their, their, their rooms that they call their creative rooms or their story rooms. So they have meetings in those rooms only for creative brainstorming. Mm -hmm. So the fun part is that they actually know the power of creating an environment that is completely different than a boardroom meeting where you talk about the numbers for next year. Um, so I think that's that would be something to, to set the stage of How do we want to? How do we want to create this journey? And even though I'm hired as blank, I'm just merely the the guide that is having an immense amount of tools. Uh, but we're doing it in a way. We're doing it together. Hmm. And I think that's an, that's an, an important part of me not 
joining that space and uh, being like, well, we, we have to do this tool and this is the way to get there. Because of course we can do that. And, um, you know, larger consultants are very equipped to do so. Uh, but I think the design of this space, the way that we sit, um, are we facing each other? Are we not seeing each other? Maybe we're back to back. We're just hearing each other. Um, and even though for me, these are like very simple, uh, experiential tricks, they work really well in corporate settings or even in smaller settings of like just changing how we have a meeting. Um, and I think that's, I guess, part of my architectural and design background is thinking about the environmental or, uh, yeah, spatial experience in which we have a conversation and in which we may be sold the case. The interesting, I was just thinking with, if, if you have a, a client like Disney, they might be way more into that than other companies, like you said. Imagine, I was just imagining, like, holy crap, how would that work with the bank? And what, what would be the impact for the people who are joining that experience? I think the impact will be always huge because I have been part of experiences like that as well. Um, but I think the, the impact for a, a corporations that's not, that is not at all used to this ways of thinking and exposing themselves to experiences is must be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, it, it might be easy for Disney. I, I don't know if easy is the right word, but I think in, in companies that this, sounds more adventurous for um i would say we all love to go to the movies it doesn't matter i i think where you work or what kind of uh background you have um so it's sort of like a general thing that we like and therefore if if a company that is more traditional or you have some resistance um i think it's you can always find uh someone that's your ally within the company hmm. and 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 i think that finding those connections and relationships that will actually help you um go into that space together uh is is something that works really well because you can have naysayers uh or people that are like oh i don't want to do this but eventually if you find that the majority is into it then you can also convince those that um, are maybe a little bit hesitant because it's unfamiliar, uh, not because they don't like it. Because I think there's, there's a, like the resistance comes from a very long standing culture that whatever is happening isn't allowed or is strange or isn't worthwhile. Um, and, and more often than not, I'm, specifically with working in teams, uh, I focus a lot on the relationship. Yeah. And uh, often we're like, oh, but that's not efficient. Like, we've, let's, let's get things done. Let's move through the agenda. And that's, that's of course, also true. But I'm, I'm always curious or, or surprised that if we focus on the relationship specifically at the beginning of a project, then that will eventually... Um, give us so much more time because we can work well together or we know our flaws because we're all deeply flawed and we all need our quirky uh, compliments or can be, um, I don't know, sad or tired. Um, and, you know, I, I just started a, a project where where I mentioned to to all my, um, my colleagues, I was like, well, I really... I thrive if I get compliments. I know it's silly, but just after this meeting, tell me that I run this meeting really well and you know, I'll just I'll be the best colleague ever. <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think setting, setting that stage of a little bit of vulnerability, but also uh, making fun of your own flaws and, and knowing that from each other um, will be more infinite and more lasting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, at least in my experience, coming from the corporate world, that's not 
let's say it in a nice way, uh, <laughs> companies are not investing into that too much. Some some do, I know, but some are more about, hey, it's like you said, it's about efficiency. We need to get things done. We're not here to have fun. We're here to get like the business moving. True. And I think the the um, it's it's a shame that it's been seen it's it's seen as fun because I don't see it as part of the fun connection and relationship. Because huh. that's something different. I see it as hey, what are ways in which we can efficiently work together and build a relationship? Because working is relational. And I just I just really need to know what in what way I can best work with you. Yeah. Um, and what happens if, I don't know, I say the wrong thing to you or what happens if I look over your shoulder? Do I need to let go and, and leave you with with a task and then have you come back and or do I need to like hold your hand there's like different types of uh working and learning um yeah. and if if we all know that from each other then we can be uh, a lot more efficient absolutely so go, going back so <laughs> you're drifting away from Disney that that's that, that, let's let's get back to Disney um so you talk about what is the experience you would like to have with the team that's going going to work with you and, and, and looking into how do we build this resilience muscle. In the end of this live stream, I will be able to say resilience without stutter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the team goes into depth, getting to know each other, building relationships with each other and as well with you because you're an integral part of that. What is the next step? What is the next exploration you will be doing with that? Yeah, I think the um, uh, as as the question is a lot around. Okay, we're facing a future that is unknown, hmm. and the future is always unknown. But we've now realized that uh, a pandemic or maybe a climate change has such a dramatic impact that we need to be more and more even more focusing on our resilience than we uh, needed before. So I think it's the acknowledging acknowledgement of we need to train a muscle uh, that can embrace the unknown better than uh, anything else. Mm. And uh, the, the funny part about that is, <laughs> of course, curiosity is, is the one thing um, that when we follow that, it doesn't know where you will end up. And I think an integral part of curiosity is that we seek to do or to train it in a way. So we're, we're seeking to train it day by day, which definitely means like, how do we, how do we show up and what are the, the things that we're doing um, that make us resilient, make us okay with not knowing where to go. So it's, it's a refocus or a reframing from um, being very much goal oriented. This is, this is the vision. Um, this is where we're going to, this is how we want to show up. And this is this is what we want to build mm -hmm. and continue to build. And we'll most likely have a, have a result. And that result can, um, be something that we might previously call the goal or a vision, but it can also be something completely different. Um, and, and I think the best example that I can give is uh, we're, we're currently working on a book. And, uh, you know, when you're writing a book, the goal is to write the book and to have the book finished. Mm. But how do we get this book to be finished is to have a writing practice. And if I don't have a writing practice, then there's not, not going to be any book. However, if I can be focused on, well, what is my best writing practice? What do I need in order to write well, to write creative, to have enough energy, enough confidence, enough focus to write? And if I cultivate that writing practice, then that means I'm going to produce a lot of words. And that eventually will result in a book, but it 
if that writing practice is cultivated in such way, then it can result in a hundred books. Hmm. Um, whereas if I would focus on the goal, I would continuously think that I'm on a deadline. I have to produce something and I'm just very stressed that I need to write a book. Um, and I think that's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very different focus area. Uh, and, and you're focused on, on, on principles and, and practices rather than, uh, goals. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I was just writing down mindset, but it, it's not mindset. Mindset might be a tiny part of that, but it's more than mindset. So it's this, this practice is not really mindset because mindset is, yeah, I need to do it every day and I might enjoy it even. But I think this practice part is a good example, which gets deeper than just the mindset. So it's like habits and so on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And um, I know the show title is, I think it's a finite and infinite uh, innovation. Um, and and it, it's coming from uh, this book, Finite and Infinite Games, uh, from James Karst that explains um, that there, there are two types of games. One is the finite game that has an end goal and, an, and a winner. And then there's an infinite game that doesn't have an end goal, but players are in the game to keep on playing. Mm -hmm. And I think the relations that we can make from that book uh, and also from, you know, looking at it from a, a game perspective as, you know, that's part of my background um, is we see the shift from goal oriented to uh, being sustainable or even we're, we're talking about regenerative uh, products, regenerative businesses. Um, and I think that's the relation between the finite and an infinite game. Huh. An infinite game is, and I know that I'm repeating, is someone is playing to continue the play. So it's more focused on how do we play and how can we keep on playing rather than what is my best strategy to win this game? Yeah. Because I think the question is, well, what if you won? What happens next? It's like, it's like being in the moment and you enjoy it rather than I'm, I'm, I'm focusing in doing this to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I speak, I speak a lot. Sorry for interrupting. I speak no, no, a lot no. about that. I mean, I have started this podcast as an example. Um, with a clear goal, like I'm German, clear goal in mind. I'm coming from a business perspective and I want to do this. But I, over time, I, I ventured myself into a journey which is like, I'm just enjoying the, the journey so much doing this different show activities and meeting people like you and others that I don't care about. I mean, of course, I care about the goal, but it's not the, the, the reason I do it. The reason I do it, I get so much value and energy out of it that I want to keep it going. That's the only yeah. reason. Yeah, and and I think that the moment that you started, did you ever thought you were going to do these kinds of shows? No. Like this show was not a goal of yours. I think no. it came from, oh, this is fun to do. Oh, wow, I like showing up this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you go from the experience then you look together with them is how they need to learn to unlock this, this muscle. So this, and, and through curiosity, you mentioned, um, but it, what, what I'm really interested is how do you take them into that space? So how do you get them from, okay, we, we understand that the future is unknown and there will be uncertainty. How do you get them into space to, not getting into the mindset, but getting into the practice part of we need to show up in a different way to be able to allow this to happen. Yeah, I think there's 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 different stages. Um, and let me let me unpack an example with climate change. Hmm. With climate change, we all are very much focused on solving the problem and we come up with amazing solutions like they're incredible i believe that the biggest issue at the moment with climate change is that we are not 
in the experiential state of that we feel the urgency yeah. as a collective. So we're, we're missing a step and we're focused on solutions and we're great at doing those solutions. But um, the, the experiential part of, wait a minute, in 20 years from now, the world is looking very, very different. And yeah. if we, we can feel that in our bodies um, and then we would act very different. And it's and, and 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 I'm not saying that that it's like it's easy because it's the hardest part. And um, research has shown that if we look at ourselves in ten years, it's similar to thinking about a stranger on the street. So we need to find that bridge, and I think that experience is that bridge. And so go, going back to Disney is, we need to go through some experiences together that we're like oh, what happens to me if I'm, I'm faced with these unknowns? And it doesn't even have to be so, uh, so difficult. I mean, we could, we could go to an escape room. We could get lost in the woods. We could solve a puzzle, right? We could play a game. And, and, and those elements we could use as examples and then plot them to like, well, what, what does that show up? And then once we've had the acknowledgement of everyone of like, oh, this is this is something we need to do. You're <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to like figure out how to to embrace the unknown more than before. Huh. Um, then we need to we we need to set out a, a set of principles. I think. So what are the principles for Disney? as a company um, that will help set this culture uh, of constant resilience or constant innovation. Um, so it's not only the team, whatever that team might be that we're working with, um, it's going to be transported to the whole company. Yeah. Because eventually it's, it's a, a network that will be the resilient part of it not the the CEO level. Um, yeah, the, the yeah. Sorry, I, I would like to double click or double down on <laughs> um, <laughs> on the resilient re muscle. I will learn this word still. <laughs> Now, you, you mentioned culture, which is always an um, an interesting perspective for me because. In corporates, they're, they're, they're talking a lot about culture and we need to find the right culture to be. But that's the hardest thing because you said it, it's like the culture is, I always say the, the, the culture is the thing when the boss leaves the room, what the people are doing when the boss is not in the room. That's, that's culture um, or like little piece of it at least. So it's literally, it's, it's, it's woven into the DNA of the company of how they are working with each other and reacting when a threat comes from the outside. So yeah. it's like you reprogram their DNA, literally. Who is that? Yeah. I, the, um, so in architecture, one joke that's, that, I, that I have with a friend is, If you, if you go into a bar or a cafe, um, you have to look at the toilet. Mm. Um, and if the toilet is designed well and clean, uh, then you know whether or not you've, uh, you're in a place that had both a good architect, but also a good running company. Because the toilet is the last place that most people uh, design. Uh, and also the toilet is the last place where uh, a business or in this case, a cafe will have set up their systems to clean it and maintain it and keep it fresh. Hmm. So if the toilet is beautifully designed and it's like clean, you know that the back end of the business, wherever you are, there's something going well. Yeah. Um, and this isn't, this isn't like a golden rule, but it was more of a joke of like, did you go to the toilet? Oh yeah, this is kind of like, so it's, so it's almost like looking in a kitchen, but then in the back end and, And, and similar to, you know, a, co a company, and if you want to see whatever their culture is, I would often talk to the people on the floor and, and, and often like the door, the doorman or someone that's at the desk. 
like who who do you talk most often to like who who even asks you how your day is um because it all trickles down and and i think the the hardest part about culture is um that there is no or what i'm hearing is that there's no space for um differentiation and sort of like a a way to embody that culture on your own terms or in your own culture Mm -hmm. so it's 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 funny how we we have a culture of our own in in our background and the country that we're living in and then there is a company culture and it's it's tricky because those words are similar but your personal culture is very different than a company culture and um, I think that this is why I'm a very big fan of principles and practices is, let's say, a company's principle is to uh, a principle of gifting. So as a company, we want to gift X amount to a good cause. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, it, what are the practices? Well, then as a company wide, the company can gift a certain amount of money to whatever company. However, me as an employee, I don't, I I don't have any influence. So as a team, or maybe as a department, you have a choice of what you want to gift X amount to. And then as a team, you can also decide, well, what do you want to gift to? Um, And that's, it's, it's even a smaller amount. And then me as an employee, I might get whatever, maybe it's time, maybe it's money, maybe it's something else that I can just gift myself. Hmm. to anything that I believe um, needs gifting. So in, on those, in, that, in that way, there is like different levels of practicing the same principle where I could with very much confidence say, well, our company's culture is gifting and we all do it in very different ways. It shows up different, but I know that we're all doing it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a gifting culture. Um, so I, I think I have yeah. never heard it in in that way. Be, practicing the principles, I was just writing it down. I think that's that's a big trigger for for an organization to change the culture because sometimes, like in in the company where I was working twelve years, there was always uh, no method is better than the good example, which means the the CEO was saying I can't ask anyone in the whole business to to pick up the trash while walking across the store if i'm not doing it myself that's so right so that that's that's literally similar to that is you need to practice this and and everyone inside the business needs to do it to be able to like you feel awkward if you're not doing it and people are around you so yeah so that's then ingrained into the culture into what you do and that's literally practicing the principles someone or a team set out so how and do you also acknowledging um the 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 personalization of it yeah. and i think if you look at the the curve of the experience economy where from you know goods to experiences or to services to experiences to transformations the the thing that makes it go up is the personalization of it yeah. and not the thing that makes it go down in the curve is the commoditization um, so the, the, the practice of the principle allows for that personalization. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do that on this topic? So we have just, just bringing everyone back on track. So we have Disney, they're understanding that the future is unknown and there might be things like the pandemic or other things that will be a forced change scenario from the outside. So they're looking into building a resilient muscle um, and hiring you to support them. So you take them into understanding as a starting point, understanding what the experience is working together, defining that and, and exploring that. Then you go into relationships, how they want to work with each other. And then you look into understanding of unlocking this, this muscle. And then we went down into different stages where you say they need to experience it to be able to understand 
what it is and how they might be acting and then then building principles based on that and practices. I hope I, I managed to get that right. <laughs> it was a, it was quite uh, the 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 design journey already, I think of like <laughs> yeah. yeah. so how do you how do you do that with the the practices? How do you get them from experiencing it, building the principles, and then building that into the organization that it's not happening with one team, that it's happening with more than when one person or the team? Yeah, I think it's it's important that the... Um, so we're, we already have defined the principles for Disney, um, that they are they're recognized as those principles, right? So this is, this is already, I think a huge, huge amount of work yeah. to get, to get even to the principles, uh, which is partly mapping uh, what is already part of the culture and how do we translate that into a principle? Yeah. What is already working? Um, so it's kind of like the, where we're now and how do we even translate what we have into principles? which is the first translation. And then do, do we miss anything in these principles um, that will allow us to be more resilient in this specific area of a global pandemic or, or, or climate change? And then I think it's, it's a lot around who are the, the storytellers and the leaders, the key figures hmm. that can find the connections and relationships in the company to start um, explaining what what are these principles and start asking the questions of well what does this what does it mean to you how would you practice this mm. so it's 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 the finding that um, it's not common ground but it's like the the weight of the employees or um, to have them carry the practices. So, and that's, 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 that's something that, um, because they are, they're always changing. Yeah. And therefore, um, the system needs to be infinite to be able to make sure that whenever these, there are, there are new, new people coming in or whenever the environment is changing or when this um, pandemic thing can happen, yeah. um, the practices change with uh, the environment. So I think it's a lot around, well, we've, we've done all this work. We've changed uh, maybe even mission, vision, values to practices and principles. Um, how do we tell this story within the company? How do we make sure that this is something that's going to be more alive? Maybe we even need to animate this in a certain way, right? So yeah. how do we use the power of the company itself to, um, yes, see it as a, as like a T um, in, in, into the, into the company. And I guess that, I mean, if we take Disney as a case, that will be way easier with them, I'm pretty sure. Like, hi, guys, let's do a brainstorm. How do we tell the story? Could be. I Or it's even harder, maybe. I'm, I'm like, more often, it, it, it depends a little bit, but I think it would be that all the resources would be there. Um but there might be even more um, more resistance. Who knows? Yeah. Sure. Like I, yeah, I, I don't want to make that assumption um, just based on the fact that it's a creative company. Yeah. Um, which is part of the practice of like, oh, there are so many assumptions that you know you and I can make, um, and then that assumption is going to focus you in a certain direction where maybe. Yeah, that that actually uh, there's more resistance um, yeah. because yeah. the assumption is that it's going to be easy. So it's, if I understand you right, it's it's really enabling the whole organization to 
understand it through a story and that can be told in different ways in different formats and different experiences but in the end it's that it's a living thing um a living way of exploring it so people who are coming in or going out literally influence it but they they take it on board and then personalize it for themselves yeah and i and i think the beautiful uh thing about disney is that the you know they as as creators they exactly know this very thing how it works because that's what they're making this is mm -hmm. they they're the ones as uh um dave also always mentions our, our friend dave uh they're they're able to make a thought into a thing on paper and and that thought in a thing is like it makes a circular motion okay. you know and slowly the more and more we practice it like it gets there and I, and i think it's very similar with um you know this culture and this resilience is even though the environment is changing you're like oh so the the spiral keeps on spiraling yeah but if you if you make the line just go from one to another end then it's you have to like do it again and then do it yeah. again yeah. and do it again um so it's, it's, it's almost translating um, the, the work that you're doing into the work that you, you are being. Um, That's which right maybe one. sounds very vague. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's, it, it's important specifically for those that have never worked with the experiences in general. Let's say I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but let's take a bank. Of course, they work with experience, but they most probably don't think in experiences, though that they might think about their customer and that they have a good time. But in the end, it's like it's a bank. Um, and if we take very, very traditional ones, at least in my experience, is they, it's hard to understand how an experience and looking into experiences and focusing and zooming into experiences can unleash a lot of potential in the business. Yeah, and, and I have a, a um, an example of uh, working, or I, I know someone that works in the police force in the innovation there, where they were trying to convince one of the senior um, executives to become more experiential, hmm. and they were they were facing resistance. <laughs> um, Until in a moment, they're like, okay, we're not going to have a board meet, boardroom meeting anymore. Whenever um, they get to the boardroom meeting, they find uh, this map with has, that has a location where they need to go. Huh. Um, so they, they, guided, they guided them to a location. And, well, there was this whole, like, two or three touch points where they were sort of discovering something. And even though experientially this was super simple, um, wasn't much, you know, like they didn't put a lot of money into it, but they they were saying, well, this is kind of what we mean by when we want to make things more experiential. Well, what, how was this experience for you? And I think a big part of it was also that they, they asked uh, this executive to, uh, I think their wife to record a video or something. Um, But the, the example is not necessarily about the example itself, but more about, well, if, if we want to explain what is this experiential, then we're, we're in, a, in, a, in a realm that is hard to explain. Yeah. Even though we can talk about the models, we can talk about you know, what happens in our brains. Uh, so there's a lot of science why it works. However, when you and I talk about love, It's so very different than when we are in love and when we are experiencing love. Um, and, and that's what the, the experience economy or people that identify as experiential coaches or uh, consultants that are focused on experience. Um, and I just shout out to Aga of writing a book with so many great examples of how experience design translated into business. Um, but We're, we're in this niche field and we're trying to uh, explain things that, you know, are sometimes harder to explain. And, and therefore, Disney is, is such a great example of like the, the first people that saw a train coming uh, on a screen, they thought that they were seeing a real train. Um, and 
yeah in in an essence they understood what experience is and therefore created uh you know disneyland yeah um, Next. the hero's journey is all about you being part of that experience you're like the central figure in a story which on the other end is also a little little problematic that we we need different stories than just the hero's journey um but you know they're successful and they are um generating a lot of money <laughs> yeah so i think you mentioned one 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 interesting point which i would like to to discuss is every company is on a different level and 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 willingness to explore this experience part and i think it's it's more about getting started and and doing little steps than not doing steps at all and then finding it out for them um which then helps them to to go into a direction specifically if we take this example to to understand how it is to step into the unknown absolutely yeah and i and i think the the scary part uh or things that i find scary is um you have to invite someone with confidence into the experiential part however that can be in like many places on the scale um sometimes the strategy is to make a fool of yourself and therefore the first step is relatively easy and seems like not even a step but it does require from some people to be like oh we're just gonna go all this way yeah <laughs> um and not knowing that that's actually part of the strategy to make the first step in something experiential um So what what did we miss on getting Disney towards unlocking that resilient muscle? Yeah, maybe the the um I think one thing that we maybe didn't miss but I think is a is an interesting part and I think it's something that I mentioned around like finite and infinite games is we can learn a lot from uh from games in a way. And not just from playing games, but um, the the Sherlock, so the escape room company, uh, whenever we would hire people, we would run them through an escape room. So we would have a very elaborate um, uh, process of, of hiring. And then at the final, final moment, we would put them through the escape room. And every time I missed something and I saw in the escape, like in the room, how they work together, I was like, oh, I'm so glad that we did this because I didn't notice in the procedures or in the like uh, the interviews and then even on, they, they're also actors. So they show sort of like how they how well they can perform. And then in the game, you can see how they collaborate. What happens when they're under stress? How much they give room for others to bring up ideas. So in in like and it's it's almost like a condensed experience environment you can see um our own sort of habituation um so i think that one part is that we can learn a lot from observing uh adults at play and therefore i think inviting uh inviting play and playfulness is on the one hand learning to observe, oh, this is certain behavior, but also to learn that, um, yeah, the the work that we're doing can can be very efficient in a playful way. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, I was just thinking, holy crap, you're hiring, you're trying to hire people and then you put them into an escape room and who comes out will be the winner. <laughs> It's getting the job. <laughs> Sort of. If I mean, there's, 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 there, there are no winners because we no. just everyone to play along. Um, they're just people that that are playing a different game. So um, we're like, you can you can play there, and then we'll play with these. I, I think the, a key point for for that, and that's also why I want why I've started this show is the authenticity, because specifically in the business world, we we learn to play a role 
if you're in, or let's say if you work in the corporate setting, you learn to play a role and in fitting into the system and that will make you successful inside of that company. If you're different or in, in a lot of companies, I, at least I've seen it. Um, if you don't play that role, if you just yourself, then you will not have a possibility to grow in that company. So you learn to play that role. And I think that's something we as, as, as people and humans in the future need to, to unlock, at least in my opinion, to how do we get away from playing a role and trying to, to be someone who we are not, specifically in the business world, um, which will unlock a lot of things. Yeah, and I think it's also recognizing that, um, you know, a part of that role is also us. So we're yeah. still authentic in our role. Um, and we're playing that role because we, we, we entered a game that is partly finite. So I think the whole thing that I'm saying is not like, oh, you're doing it wrong. You have to be more authentic. You yeah. have to change yeah. your role. I'm like, we have to change the rules of this finite game to make it more infinite. So we have to create principles and therefore we have practices and that allows you for playing an infinite game that is both on a personal health level so much better that is both on like the regenerative um, future that we want to create so much better that is also better for your resilience of your company uh, because you can change your practices and everyone would be um, more willing and able to adjust because that's already part of the DNA. Yeah. Love it. We're full circle. <laughs> and also part of like, this is, um, you know, there's, there's so many ways in which we could have gone this conversation. Yeah. Um, we both didn't know where to go. I didn't know what, <laughs> how we would solve this case. So this is also part of just us, uh, trying to show up and trying to figure out, well, what are, what are elements that we need to think about? Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's why I want to create this environment as well, or design it in that way, because that you're explaining how you would do it in inside of that construct of having this case and having this, let's say this rules of this show. But it, I, I truly believe that if you, you, you're not a different person if you would do that with a company. So you, you, you're authentic, authentically show on how you would start in trying to figure out how to solve that problem. And that hopefully will enable others to say, hey, I would love to work with him. And I really like how he's thinking about these things. Let's have a conversation with him. And that's really something I want to create, um, which is all about how do we solve the bigger problems we have in this world? It's not about, hey, how do we, Yes, of course, getting Pim uh, an interesting gig. That, that's, of course, part of it. But it's if you are able, let's say, if you take um, Disney and you have the possibility to work with Disney solving this, what power would you unleash with di enabling Disney to do that? And what, what, what changes will they generate in the world? And that's, that's, for me, really the interesting part. Imagine how big that can be, that impact of a small conversation we're having live on, on, on a screen right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also the, you know, like, even though Disney is a, is a very large company, I think, um, you know, the, the spark can be just one person and yeah. that person yeah. can spark. So I think that more often than not, we, we are, we're again focused on, you know, like the bigger impact. And I think that, if everyone on earth would just spark two people, then how many sparks are we creating? Yeah. Um, so I think it's also that again, but maybe that's a practice that I'm, I'm trying to do myself. It's like, Oh, who in my surroundings can I, can I help or can I uh, support? Um, yeah. And if yeah. we all do that just with one or two people, then uh, the world would look very differently. Absolutely. Um, to make brother, what if we all had one really good night's rest? Yeah. How would the world look like? 
Ask me, I have a little four-year-old daughter. Well, there you go. <laughs> I've read a lot of research <laughs> that explains the negative consequences of not sleeping. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like maybe, maybe, and now I'm trying to solve the case again. Uh, next time Disney would call me, I'm like, well, let's look at the sleeping patterns of everyone in Disney. Yeah, well, that would be an interesting one. <laughs> so, which, is, which is why, of course, uh, Calm now is so successful. Yeah, let's let's get into the last part. Okay. I'm always asking as the last question or last bigger question. Um, can you explain who your dream client is? Um. Well. I really like to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and more often than not, um, individuals uh, that are feeling called whenever they hear me speak or when they see something, they reach out, um, be like, hey, I don't exactly know what you can do for me, but I have a, a hunch that you could help me out. Hmm. And um, I would say one in four cases that is true because I always try to figure out what, what, you know, what I can offer both in, 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 in time and, and capabilities and, and what that person needs. Um, so I'm not really explaining it well, but I'm sort of, uh, Yeah, I think the ideal person is is the one that actually um, follows their curiosity in that sense of reaching out yeah. and being like, I don't exactly know, but I think, and I think that's the start of a conversation. Um, and these could be individuals that are already successful and have their own business and, and, and want to sort of grow um, both in their design or even in their own leadership skills and these could be uh individuals that are running uh multi multi-million companies multi-million euro comp billion sorry i'm getting lost in the like translation of uh, dollar and and euro um so so successful individuals that are that are running big businesses um to uh, people that are, are more known on the screen that um, are also reaching out. So it's kind of a, I, I often feel like a, a mysterious uh, consultant. Um, and I, I often also don't tell who are my clients. Huh. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's just a, a game. So I, I was writing down, it's like, I would call you guide instead of coach or consultant. <laughs> I mean, it's guiding transformations, but yes, yeah. it, it's it's a hundred percent true. It's also the thing that we name ourselves in the um, the stone soup, which is that it's a co-created camp. There are guides that are helping each other to guide. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Pim. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for guiding us through this conversation, Jens. Thank you for joining me on, on the journey. Was was great. So for everyone who is watching this, you can go to, let me just put up the banner again, heitlandinnovation.com slash innovation culture coding, where you will find this recording, three clips, audio versions of this, and of course, show notes and a link towards PIM. So if you want to engage with PIM, If you believe you might be interested in being his dream client and engaging him in different ways, or if you are Disney or similar to Disney and want to engage with him, you're welcome to get to that webpage, click through and say hello to him and get yourself introduced and get connected. That's I it. I would love to receive letters, but um, you'll have to ask handwritten. me my, my address for it. Yes, <laughs> handwritten letters. Which I've actually gotten like very surprisingly. I, I put it somewhere like, oh, I love handwritten letters. Um, 
then then I, I I got some, which was amazing, and I and I always write back. So that's, that's awesome. my promise to whoever writes me. <laughs> cool. So thanks, Pim, for everyone watching this today. Tomorrow is already the next innovation culture coding show, which I will be launching at least promoting after this one. Um, and then there's another one on Thursday. So this week, three times innovation culture coding, always at, I think it's always at seven in the evening, European central time. Such a Thank good you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I'm practicing and I'm in the moment because I love it. <laughs> you're, Pim, you're doing amazing. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you and everyone see you next time, which is tomorrow. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You will find the links and resources in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support the podcast, the most impactful thing you can do is subscribing to the show on any of the podcasting platforms and give me a review. This will help me to reach more innovators around the world and bring some of you into the show. If you have any question to the guest or want to engage with me, feel free to reach out to me on social media and contact me there. Thanks and see you in the next episode.